This is the FM Gold Channel of All India Radio. In the program News Analysis, now we bring you a discussion on issues relating to air pollution. The participants are Navroz K. Dubash, environmentalist, and Urmi Goswami, journalist. In Delhi, it has been struggling with poor air quality virtually all year round, but in the last two weeks, it has become something of a crisis, leading the government to call it a public health emergency. When we talk air pollution, the general perception is to talk about it in terms of crop burning. But could you just tell us what the sources of air pollution are for people who live in this city and broadly across the country? Air pollution, as you say, we think of as a single problem. It is actually the effect of many different things put together. It's a problem in Delhi, but it's also a problem throughout northern India and increasingly in other parts of the country too. So many different things cause air pollution. There are many different particles. The one we are most concerned about is called PM2.5, which is a small particle, 2.5 microns. And it is caused by, at least in the northern India region, at least five or six different things. One is indeed crop burning, which we talk about a lot recently, but it is only for a few weeks in the year. Another is transport emissions from cars, buses, two-wheelers, and so on. A third is dust, both that is carried in from outside Delhi, as well as construction dust. Fourth is waste burning within Delhi. So when we burn leaves, when we burn garbage in landfills, when we burn wood for cooking or for heating, these are all important sources of emissions. And a final one which is very important is industrial emissions, which is both formal industries, but also brick kilns, also power plants, which are outside Delhi, but in the vicinity of Delhi. So this is not a single problem. One way to think of it is that this is a 5 times 20% problem, that there are 20 sort of buckets of things, and we have to address them all to solve Delhi's air problems. We have this conversation on air pollution. Why is it that the public perception is centered around crop burning? Is that what it is? There's two things to understand. One is, how do we know when air pollution is harmful? Air pollution is harmful in two ways. One, there is a background, almost continuous level, except for the monsoons, in northern India and in Delhi, in the NCR, constant level of air pollution. And the total accumulation of that throughout the year is harmful to us. So really, we should be counting the average annual exposure to air pollution. On average, how much are we exposed to throughout the year? It's like our lungs are being filled steadily. Sometimes they're being filled faster, sometimes they're being filled slower, but they're being filled steadily and a total amount of pollutant in the lung that is actually the problem. Now, on top of that, there are periods when there are spikes in air pollution, which cause problems even for healthy people, which is what we experienced this past weekend in Delhi. So crop burning is one of the reasons why we have these spikes. Diwali firecrackers is another. So one reason crop burning is larger in the imagination is because it is the period during which we have these spikes when the air is visibly polluted. So on a day like today, when it doesn't look very polluted, it is in fact still at least two times our national safe standards, if not three times in some places. It is just that over the weekend, it was 10 times. So we notice it much more. So the long-term effects are there from the annual pollution. In the short run, we feel the eye irritation, throat burning from these episodes when it is 10 times higher. But we really should be concerned not just about these spikes, but about the whole year or at least most of the year when we have high background levels of pollution. So if the public perception of air pollution is episodic, so looking at the spikes that you, that you spoke about, 
Is it also the case that the response the government from authorities at every level is also episodic? And why is that so? So I think it's human nature to react to a sharp stimulus. When you get a big shove, you notice. If you get lots of little shoves, you may not notice. I think that is human nature. But we have to fight that because I think the problem is that every year we react in November, we react in December, and then January comes, things get a little bit better. We can't smell the air as much. We don't feel our throats and we forget about it until the next October. As I've said, for much of the year, the pollutant levels are two to three times safe levels, if not going up to four times at certain times of the year. So the dangerous part of having these spikes, we get mobilized, we get angry. And then when things come down to hazardous, but not severe levels, to poor, but not severe levels, we think things are fine. We send our children out to play. We go for our morning walks. But actually, we're still taking in substantial amounts of pollutants into our lungs. So it numbs us to the long-term need to do something. We forget that actually we need to be doing something throughout the year. The best response to an emergency is to make sure that there isn't another emergency. But unfortunately, our reaction to emergencies is to try and to put out the fires right now. And so we need to harness this activism, this energy to make sure there is a long-term sensible solution. And that long-term sensible solution is to address the root causes of each of these five or six different pollutant sources. For example, power plants. We actually have regulations on the books that require power plants have emissions control equipment. Only two out of 33 plants in the NCR region have that equipment. There is no reason why that equipment shouldn't be installed urgently. There are some things that we are doing. For example, the Ujwala program to provide cooking gas to households. That is very important because it reduces the amount of indoor burning of, of wood and dung and other sorts of fuels, which causes a lot of damage, particularly to women in the household and to children. But also it seeps outside the house and it's part of pollution. So we are doing some things, but we're not doing it systematically enough. And we need to find out what we need to do in each of these areas. Let me take crop burning, which is what we talked about most because it is the spike that we have faced over the last few days and may well face again before the season is concluded. We tend to look at crop burning as something to be reacted to. And so the answer is, let us come up with some technology, give farmers some devices like the happy cedar that helps them deal with the crop residue so they don't have to burn it. But what happens is farmers have their own interests. Many of them are much poorer than urban residents. So they say, look, why are you making us do all these complicated things when we can just take a two rupee box of matches and light the crop and be done with it? So you have to give them a solution that works for them also. Farmers have interests, urban residents have interests and rights too. We need to find a way past this. Instead of thinking just about the end point, which is what do we do with the crop residue, we should be thinking about the cropping patterns. We should be thinking about why farmers grow these crops. We should be thinking about why they are sowing them at a particular time. This is a complicated area, but it is also possibly the case the crop burning is in reaction to recent changes in agricultural patterns. Why have those changes occurred? We need to have a conversation across the three states concerned, Delhi, Punjab, Haryana, not one month or one week or on the day of burning, but we need to start having it now and make sure it doesn't happen again. So use the next eight, nine months to make those changes. Put aside the crop burning question, but come back to the other part of the thing. The crop burning, yes, as you said, is episodic, it, it's visible, but in the larger scheme of things, it's just one bucket. There are the other buckets that happen through the year. So things like, say, dust, 
construction and demolition dust. I mean, we are going to be constructing more. There are laws, there are regulations on the books, but they're not followed. I'm pretty sure in many colonies we see people renovating their houses, even in this period where they shouldn't be doing. Now, we can't have any government at any level, central, state or local authority, actually running after everybody. Part of this conversation has to be, part of the solution is in citizen awareness. So it's one thing to congregate for a march and say government has to do something, but there are many other issues that we could. So why is the public response to things that they can do so limited? Is it just that it is not in our imagination to do things or we want somebody else? Like, yes, it is my problem, but I am not going to lift a finger. I think it's time for all of us as residents of the NCR and of North India to start thinking about what we could do. Part of the solution lies in our hands. A lot of the solution lies in us asking and demanding from solutions from state and central governments. I think we should now, on the second part of this, we should now start asking those who are seeking election to please tell us what their plans are to address this air pollution problem in a long-lasting way, both at the state and the central level. It needs to become something that becomes part of our voting decisions. But yes, we have to also take our own responsibility. There's no pointing to farmers in Punjab. If we are driving around diesel cars, if we are refusing to use public transport, there again, everybody has a role to play. The state government could do better in providing buses, providing improved pavements and clean sidewalks for us to walk on. But then we have to use them. It's both of our responsibilities. But also, it's only when we use them that we actually create the demand. It has to be all sides acting on this. You talked about our communities. Have we thought about how waste is disposed of in our communities? Are we reducing our own waste so that less goes to the landfill to burn? We as RWA is taking responsibility for construction in our own areas. These are all things that we can also be doing. So it's both changes in our own behavior as well as uh, so in our behavior as consumers, what we choose to buy, what cars we choose to buy, how we choose to deal with our waste, as well as in our behavior as citizens in demanding certain changes of our government. And clearly that is a gap right now. We are still very in that reactive phase. In a sense, therefore, the farmers of Punjab and Haryana provide us with a perfect outlet because they're out there and we can blame them. But to come back to the issue of crop burning, you made a reference to the changing in cropping patterns, which is actually done through a law in Punjab to address the receding water table. So it's like almost like, you know, the unintended consequence of addressing water issues that resulted in this air pollution thing by shifting the harvest period to a place where the meteorological conditions are so unfavorable. But clearly then, it cannot be a single lens issue. We can't look at crop burning just as an air pollution issue. It has to be an issue of cropping patterns. As you say, we cannot start with an answer because every time somebody starts with an answer, it becomes somebody else's problem. So if you say we want a technological solution of happy cedars, it becomes a problem for the farmers because it adds to their cost and their work and their hassle, essentially, in crops. It makes it more unproductive for them. So we have to start with a conversation. We have to start by asking the question, what will work for you? How can we make it possible for you to do this? What are you willing to accept? And so on. But clearly that means it's a longer-term solution. But the problem of air pollution is immediate, and something needs to be done there. Yes. So what can happen at city levels that should be happening? Just take the case of Delhi the case that we cannot leave listeners with the view that we all have to step back and only talk about this. We have to have action also. But I think we can divide this problem into various pieces. There are some problems that we can't rush to solve 
tomorrow or day after, one of them is crop burning. I think we can solve it at the time scale of about a year, which is what we have until the next season. Until then, we just have to manage with that particular issue. There are other things that are short-term actions that we can take right away that can lead to immediate results. So among them is the power plants I talked about. That is relatively quick to be done. We can implement, it's already on the books, power plant regulations, we should do that. Another step that has been taken is changing the technology in brick kilns. That has largely been done. It needs to be done a little bit further. Another action is improved fuel. So moving to Bharat 6 stage fuel will dramatically help with transport emissions. I think immediately changing behavior on leaf burning, waste burning, these are things that households can do very quickly. There are immediate things that one can do, which will may not bring things down quite to safe levels yet, but we will see a difference if we focus on those things and are strategic. So one of the things we don't do very well and our comprehensive action plan in Delhi has a very long list of things, but it doesn't tell you which of those things can be done fast and easily, which of the things will take more time and require more discussion. And I think we need to be more strategic. You mentioned essentially saying that people should see the direction of travel, that we are moving towards cleaner air or improving air quality, actually, to put it this way. Where does public transport fit into this? Public transport is a medium-term solution. So, in fact, we're in the middle of an odd-even scheme. Many people ask, does it do very much? And I think the answer is twofold. One is, as an emergency measure, it may bring down pollutants somewhat. There are different studies that range between 5% all the way up to 10 or 15%, which again is modest. But as an emergency measure, as part of a suite of things, it's probably a reasonable action. But I think there's a second implication of odd-even. It forces citizens and consumers to say, yes, I also have to change. That is a very good thing to make people think about. I also have to change, but then the other part of that is you have to give them an option, which is where the public transport comes in. So odd-even plus public transport would be really, I think, make a big difference. Odd-even by itself, without improving public transport, doesn't realize the full possibilities. Thank you so much, Travis. You were listening to a discussion on issues relating to air pollution. The participants were Navroz K. Dubash, environmentalist, and Urmi Goswami, journalist. This program was produced and presented by the News Services Division of All India Radio. This program is also available on our website, newsonair.com. You may email your opinion about this program at airnsdtalks at gmail.com. You can also follow us on the News on AIR app for updates.